To learn more about The Church at West Gantt, visit us at www.thechurchatwg.com or visit our Facebook page, and we would love to connect with you. Have a great day. Back into the Sermon on the Mount, we've been in this series for a little while now, and we're actually getting really close to being done. We just have a few more weeks left. This passage that we've just read is going to seem like a deviation from where Jesus has been. Uh, last week, as Will presented for us, we talked about the idea of judging others, and we, we looked at this idea of having a plank in our own eye and a speck in our neighbor's eye, and what we need to do to resolve that, and how we handle judging other people versus just speaking truth and love to them. Uh, the week before that, uh, we backed up, and uh, Wes presented for us on the, on the topic of anxiety, and, and we looked at this idea of how we give everything to Jesus how we seek him for our strength and, and how we walk through these seasons of life where we find ourselves anxious or irritated at best. But this morning, Jesus turns his attention. And I want you to hear why for just a moment. And before we even pray over uh, the scripture reading this morning like we normally do, I just want you to hear a little bit about where we've been from start to finish. Here's what we've been told so far from the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus began in Matthew chapter five. He says, Christ's kingdom is an upside down kingdom where being meek and merciful, being a peacemaker and being a persecuted believer is something to be celebrated. We are to be the salt and light in a world of darkness. We were told after that that our righteousness has to surpass that of the Pharisees or we have no hope of heaven. We were told after that that our, our giving and our praying and our, our fasting should be done in a way that honors God and avoids self-promotion in order to avoid being a hypocrite like the Pharisees. Then we were told that we should focus on laying up treasure in heaven by avoiding the traps and temptations of money and earthly goods that enslave us as masters. Then we were told to live a life free of anxiety by trusting God's provision and by seeking God who fights our battles for us. And lastly, we were told to avoid carrying a judgmental attitude towards others by focusing on our own growth first, uh, which gives us the ability to see clearly how to help others. What I imagine in this moment, as Jesus is standing on the mountainside talking to his disciples and declaring all these things, is he's probably been teaching for a little while at this point. He's probably been preaching, and, and they've probably got kind of that glazed over look that many of you guys give me at about 1245, all right? And that, that look of like, hey, it's, it's time, Chris. Uh, uh, hey, Michael, put a, a, a time clock up on the back TV there so we can, we can get out of here. It's, it's time. Let's go. And I believe that the disciples are probably kind of giving Jesus that look because Jesus shifts his focus for just a moment in what he's been telling them. And, and I think that it's more than just a glazed over time to be done look. I think that maybe as he looked into the eyes of his disciples, he maybe started to see a look of them feeling maybe just a little bit overwhelmed by the things that he was saying. I mean, you think about the list that I just gave you. Living this life of upside downness in his kingdom, this life of let me be meek and let me be proud of being persecuted and let me try to be uh, so righteous that, that it surpasses that of the Pharisees. I mean, that command in and of itself is, is a burden to bear. It, it is something heavy that we all have to carry. And, and Jesus just continues to give point after point after point. And the disciples, I think, are, they're starting to kind of show the, the weight of everything that Jesus has said because we see Jesus' tone shift for a moment. It's like he's looking into the crowd and he, he sees that look on their face and he goes, oh, wait, wait, just a moment. I think I need to pause and I need to encourage you for just a second. 
because I see what's happening on your face. That look of desperation, that look of I don't think it's possible, that look of this is too much, Jesus. That look of what's going on. And, and many of us, maybe we feel that way in our own walks. We, we, we take on these things, these spiritual disciplines. We listen to the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, guys, we have been in the Sermon on the Mount for over two months now, studying about those, those teachings of Jesus. That's enough to make us feel burdened. It's enough to make us go, that's so much, Chris. You really want me to be that kind of believer that lives out all of those things? I don't know if it's possible for me to be that kind of believer, Jesus. I don't know that it's possible for me to do that in my own strength, in my own ability. I don't think that I can be that kind of person that removes the plank from my own eyes so that I can love people around me well. I don't think I can be the kind of person who lives unhypocritically, who lives authentically into who Jesus desires me to be. And maybe we've hit those seasons as a believer. Maybe we've walked through some of those patches where it just seems hopeless, impossible. The task is too big. Jesus looks across the faces of his disciples and I believe wholeheartedly that that's what he sees in their eyes as they look back at him. And so Jesus shifts his focus. And he says, let me show you how to be all of these things that I just asked you to be. Let me teach you how to become that kind of man, that kind of woman who will live into these things well, who won't get overwhelmed by the requests and the, the, the acts of obedience and these, these new character traits. And so he dives into Matthew chapter seven, verse seven, and he says, hey, let me help you here. And so let's look back at verse seven one more time as we walk through this verse by verse, and let's just see what God says about this. Jesus looks at the disciples and he says, pause for a second, guys, because I see your faces, so let me encourage you, ask. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Jesus turns to his disciples who have this glazed over, overwhelmed look in their eyes. And he says, pause for a second. The best thing that you can do to become the person of God that I desire you to be is to ask, seek, knock. These three verbs that we read here in this passage, they are important verbs. In, in English, we read them, and we read them a certain way, and we go, ask, seek, knock, that sounds great. And so we may have this heartbeat in us to go, well, we need to ask one time, or we need to uh, seek one time, or we need to knock one time. But, but these verbs in the original Greek, they are not uh, a singular uh, verb, something, an action that happens one time but they are an imperative verb that, that is, is meant to be repeated over and over and over again. When I first met my wife, my wife uh, threw out a phrase to me that still to this day I don't like, but it's a biblical phrase when it comes to faith, okay? Here's the phrase, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Anybody ever heard that phrase before? Okay, sweet, we're all Southerners, we got it, all right? So the squeaky wheel gets the grease. I hate that phrase because here's what I hear when I hear that phrase. You want me to annoy somebody until I get my way. That's what, that's what I hear. And I'm like, I'm a people pleaser. I don't like to annoy people who are around me. And so when I hear the term, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, I replace that with the squeaky, squeaky wheel gets replaced. 
All right, I take off that wheel and I put a new wheel on. That's what happens, all right? I don't enjoy that mindset in the world because when somebody has asked me to do something, I'm gonna try my best to get it done for them. And it may happen at a later time when I have time and availability. It, it may happen a little ways down the road, but my desire is to accomplish that for them. And so if you've asked me to do that, I'm gonna do my best to accomplish that for you. So for you to come back and say, hey, uh, hey, Chris, Hey, man, uh, you remember what we talked about last week? Hey, 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 Chris, it's been a couple days. Hey, Chris, what's going on here? Hey, Chris, what's going on? And, and guys, I'm telling you, that, that drives me crazy, and it drives me even more crazy to be that guy to somebody, all right? We've got some land in Travers Rest that we're about to build a house on. Uh, y'all, if y'all haven't had to deal with Greenville County lately, any, I, well, don't raise your hand for this because I don't want to know. I don't want to know if you work for Greenville County uh, in, the, in the tax offices or the, or the uh, surveying offices or anything like that, the permitting offices. Don't tell me because I'm mad at you right now. All right, so we got some land and travel dress that we're about to build on, but we had to survey the property first because it's in someone else's name. We got to get it transferred over. We began the survey process back in January. We just finished this past week. It has been almost seven months, six and a half months of emails and phone calls and meet me out at the property and let's see where this pin belongs and oh, you measured it wrong, put it over here and oh, this happened wrong and now we gotta redo it and oh, we think we're done but no, we're not really. It has been a long process and that my wife comes to me all the time, she's like, have you emailed the surveyor yet? Have you talked to him yet? Have you made that happen? And I'm like, Lindsay, we'll get there. But I don't like being that guy. I don't like being the guy who types the email to my surveying company and says, hey, where are we at? Hey, have you got this done yet? Hey, it's been six months now. We should have this done. I don't enjoy being that guy. But when it comes to spiritual disciplines, when it comes to the things of the faith, Jesus says to us, be the squeaky wheel. The verbs that he used here is, is again, it's not this idea of knock once and then sit back and just wait. It is this idea of I ask God and when I don't get a response, I ask again. And when I don't hear from him, I go back to him again in prayer. And when I haven't heard from him in a week, I go back and I ask again. And then when I don't get it from just asking a question, I start seeking, I start looking, I start putting action to what I'm doing. It's not just a verbal request anymore, but I put action to what I'm doing. And then when I don't see that, then I start pounding on doors. Hey, God, where are you? Hey, God, you desire me to be this kind of person. You want me to live into all of these things that the Sermon on the Mount teaches. God, I need your help in that. And if we only ask that on the day that we give our lives to Jesus, if we say that sinner's prayer and we, we go through the baptistry and we get baptized and, and that's when we say, hey, God, we need you, but we, we never return to that heartbeat of passionately pursuing him, we are sadly missing out on a large part of our walk with Jesus. He says to us, come back and ask again. Seek after me again. Knock again. If you haven't gotten the answer that you desire, if you haven't found what you were looking for, ask, seek, and knock repeatedly because the truth is God desires to give us and the promise of Jesus' words in this, he says, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find Knock and the door will be opened. The promise is that when we come back to God over and over and over again, his promise is secure that he will respond. And so in light of all that we've studied in Matthew chapter five and six and walking into chapter seven now, 
in all that we've studied, of all the things Jesus has asked of us, he says, hey, if you feel overwhelmed in that walk with him, if you feel desperate in this moment of trying to follow Jesus, just keep asking. Keep seeking, keep knocking, because God will respond. God will fill you with everything that you need to be the person of God he desires you to be. He will give you your heart's desire in that. A lot of people will pull this passage out and they'll actually use it somewhat out of context to talk about the idea that God will just give us anything that we ask for. That it's, hey, just you have not because you ask not, right? That's another passage that we like to pull out. And, and they'll pull this passage out too and they'll say, well, we, 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 if we just ask God, he's promised that he's gonna give us whatever we ask for. That's not the promise of this passage. You're not gonna go to Jesus today and ask for a million dollars and then as long as you become the squeaky wheel, God's gonna bless you with a million dollars sometime. That's not how that operates. But in light of the entire Sermon on the Mount, in light of everything that we've talked about, the passage here in context says, when you desire true righteousness, when we ask and seek and knock to become more like him, God answers the desire of our heart and he gives us the ability to be that. And so if you've come to church this morning going, I have failed at the faith, I have not done what God has asked me to do, and I don't think that it's possible that I become the type of person he desires me to be, I wanna tell you this morning that is a lie from the pits of hell and God has equipped you and given you the ability to be everything he desires you to be. That doesn't mean his promise is that he will give you a million dollars. But his promise is much more than that. His promise is that he will give you righteousness. His promise is that he will give you salvation. His promise is that he will give you the ability to store up those treasures in heaven that we've talked about before. His promise is that he will equip you and fill you and there will be nothing lacking that you need. Ask Seek, knock, do it again and again and again until Jesus gives you your heart's desire. We pray, we seek after him, but it's so much more than that. Jesus says, pray, ask, seek, knock, come after me, and I'll give you these things, but there's a second part of this passage that shifts again. Look with me in verse nine. He says this, he says, or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake or a serpent instead? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? I'm a dad. Y'all know that, I've got three kids. And I like to think that I'm a pretty good gift giver most of the time. I, I like to think that I, I, can, I can give them things, but to be honest, sometimes I'm just not that great at it. But, but I know the difference between giving my son a rock and giving my son bread. I know the difference between giving them something that they can eat and consume and that will be good for them versus giving them something poisonous that is gonna ruin their lives. And Jesus looks at me as a father in this moment. He, he's teaching this and he's looking at his disciples, many of whom were husbands and fathers, and he looks at them and he says, hey guys, listen, if you are an evil man, which we all are, go to the book of Romans and look that up. But the book of Romans teaches that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It teaches us that Adam, as he took, uh, took part, Adam and Eve, took part in the bite of that first fruit and sin entered into the world, that that in turn spilled over into every generation that followed. We are born into an evil, sinful nature. That's who we are. 
Sorry, God. Did I say something wrong? That was scary. All right. I don't know if y'all saw that. We were born into a sinful nature. We all carry that in us. But Jesus looks at us and he says, even you who carry this sinful nature in you, even those of us who have been born into an evil mindset, yes, even you know how to be good fathers, good parents. I watch many of you, and even some of you that don't have kids, who serve in our children's programs on Wednesday nights or on Sunday mornings. Y'all know how to give good gifts to our children. I watch you. Mark Medlin, by the way, is an incredible man who goes unnoticed a lot too. And Mark Medlin on Wednesday night, the past couple Wednesdays especially, I've been watching him. He doesn't know that, but I've been watching him. And there's a group of us that are in there. We normally wrap our programming up about 7.30, 7.45, and parents will start to come pick up, but there's a, a fairly significant amount of our parents that are involved in a ladies' group that always goes too long, uh, or they're involved in our Spanish service that, that teaches for a while, and so we, we have to hang out in the gym with them for a little while and kind of hang out for a bit. And, and a lot of our volunteers, the, the night will end, and, and it's time to go, and I got work tomorrow, and it's time for me to go home, and, and this is Mark's busy season. Mark, if you don't know, is a landscaper, and so summertime for him Busy hours, long days. Mark comes faithfully every Wednesday night and he serves with our kids, but I've watched him over the last couple weeks. And as the rest of our volunteers may try to shift out of the room or, uh, or the programming is kind of ending, Mark stays. And here's what I love about watching Mark. We, we sat in a group the other night. There's uh, Wes and Tyler will come over after the men's group is done and we'll kind of huddle up and we'll be talking and, and sharing. And I looked over and guess where Mark is? Mark's not in that huddle circle of adults. Mark is sitting on the floor playing with Zeke and Katie, or he's chasing some of our little Spanish guys around. He's making sure they stay out of the bathrooms, making sure they don't run out of the gym and into the parking lot. He's making sure that they stay safe. He's engaging with them. I've watched Mark be an incredible father to kids that aren't even his. We know how to be good parents. We know how to give good gifts, and Jesus says, hey, if even you, if even you who are are evil by nature can do those things, if even somebody like me can sit on the floor and play with my kids and and enjoy their presence and train them and raise them up in the right way, if, if even I can do that, then how much more possible is it that God in heaven desires to give us everything we need And that's the comparison Jesus makes. He says, look, you're you're down here on the scale of good and evil. You're way down here, but you do good things for your family. God is ultimately good. Can you not trust him? Can we not patiently wait as we ask, seek, and knock? Yes, but but can we trust that God really is going to show up when we need him? That God really is going to give us all that we need in those darkest moments of our lives because that's when it really becomes difficult. We, we ask and we seek and we knock in those, those painful situations of life and we go, God, why won't you just fix this for me? And we begin to doubt the goodness of God. And in those moments where we doubt the goodness of God, we've got to pause for just a second and we got to compare his goodness to ours. And we got to go, man, God's way, way more holy than I am. He's perfect, and if he is that, 
then either I'm seeking the wrong thing or I'm seeking the wrong thing in the wrong time. And God knows better and he's waiting to give it to me when I need it. And we've got to learn to trust in those moments. We've got to learn to have faith in those moments that God will bring exactly what we need when we need it. I love the comparisons that he uses here. He says, how many of you, if your son asks you for, a, uh, for bread, you would give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, you would give him a serpent? The, the writer of Luke gives a, a slightly different illustration as he presents the same topic from Jesus, but same concept. And he says, you know how to give the right things. So does our good heavenly Father. He knows how to give us good gifts exactly when we need them. So the question really becomes this morning if we are not seeing the righteousness that we desire in our lives, if we are not moving forward in the faith, if we're not seeing the outcomes that we think we should be seeing at this stage in our faith, one of a couple of things is happening. Either we have stopped asking, seeking, and knocking, or we have stopped trusting that God is gonna bring the results in his time. And the question becomes, which one is it for us? Which one is it for us in the season that we walk through? If we're not seeing the results, if we feel overwhelmed, by the requests of God in our faith? Have we stopped asking, seeking, and knocking? Or have we stopped believing that God will bring it in the right moments? Or even worse, stopped believing that God is even good in the first place? Jesus looks at his disciples sitting on this mountainside and he gets pretty honest with them. He says to them, guys, this isn't an easy walk. Nobody ever promised us comfort and ease. But he did promise that he would be our heavenly father. He did promise that he would walk through those moments with us. He did promise that his spirit, by the way, future kind of casting in this, Jesus eventually will promise them the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will come on the day of Pentecost. And Jesus says that that spirit will go with you wherever you go. So even in the darkest of moments, even in the worst seasons of life possible, God is with us. So the question remains for us today, what will we do with that? Jesus looks at his disciples, he says these things, and we have to ask ourselves the same question. What will we do? We needed that same encouragement, we need that same refreshment, we need to be reminded in the moments where we are most overwhelmed when we are doubting whether or not we have the ability, we need to be reminded that it is not our ability. It's through Christ's ability alone. Will you ask, seek, and knock? Will you trust the character of God? If we believe that God is good, then we have to trust the things he gives us are for our good. I don't know where you're at this morning in your walk. Probably the shortest sermon I've ever preached, by the way. I don't know where you're at in your walk. I don't know what season you find yourself in this morning. But I do believe this. Whatever season you find yourself in, whatever trials you're facing, whatever good you're facing, every bit of that has come from the Lord. Every bit of that is for your good. And if we will ask, seek, knock, if we will passionately pursue him and be patient in the process and trust the results to him, there is nothing that God cannot do through us, in us, and for us.
will you trust? I want to pray for you this morning, and I'm going to ask that as we do, our praise teams are going to come back up, and Duncan's going to come back up and lead us in a final song, and I'm going to open up the altar up here. If you need to pray, maybe you've gotten to a season in your life where you've stopped asking, seeking, and knocking. Maybe you need to come forward, and you need to come to the altar, and you need to pray, and you need to seek God here. I'm going to invite you to do that. Maybe as you come forward this morning or or maybe as you sit wherever you are, maybe it's not that you've stopped asking, seeking, and knocking, but you've come to a place where you've really kind of stopped trusting God in those things. You've really kind of approached that place where it's like, man, I I see what God did in my past, but but I've just reached this point where I'm not sure that God's going to keep doing it. Maybe this morning you need to be reminded to just trust God in the process. Whatever you need to deal with, the altar's open for you to do that. I'm going to stand over here off to the right this morning. If you need me, I'll be over here and you can pray with me. But if you want to do work where you are with God, that's fine. Or you want to come forward and pray at the altar on your own. Whatever you need to do this morning, the altar's open for you. Let me pray for us. And we're going to sing. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to have been in your word. And God, I thank you for the truth of scripture this morning that teaches us that we are to diligently, passionately pursue you as we ask, seek, and knock, God. We are to be the squeaky wheel in righteousness, God. We are to come before you and say, God, I'm not able. I don't have it in me. But God, I need your presence. I need the filling of your Holy Spirit. I need you in my life to be the man or woman of God you desire me to be. And so God, this morning I open up the altar to you. I open up the hearts of those who are in this room to you, God. And I pray that you would do a work in us to remind us that we need to passionately pursue you in that. And God, if there's anybody in the room, Father, who maybe at one point in their life, they, they asked, they sought, and they, uh, they knocked, Father, but they've come to a season where maybe they either just got lazy in that, or, or maybe they just forgot, or, or maybe, Father, they've approached some trials or some circumstances, and they got kind of lost in that. Or maybe, Father, they just got tired or overwhelmed. God, I pray this morning that your spirit would do a work in them. Father, I pray that you would Show them that you are not done yet. You, you can fill them again. You can use them more. You can grow them where they are. That there's no season of walk in the Christian life where you stop. Now, there's always more. There's always another step if we will ask, seek, and not. And God, Father, if there's anybody in here this morning, maybe, God, they've just come to a place where they've stopped trusting. They feel like they've sought after you. They feel like they've not But God, they're just struggling to trust you with the outcome. Maybe they're just struggling to trust that you will be the God you say you are. God, I pray that you would show them your character this morning. I pray that, God, they would just know it in their heart and mind right now. God, even as I'm speaking, that you would speak to them. And they would know your presence. And they would be reminded that there is no better God in this world. God, that there is nothing else that we could pursue that will give what you give. Now, Father, you know how to give good gifts to your children way more than I ever do. So, God, I can trust you. Remind us of that today. Remind us that you have good things for us, and if we'll just have a little faith, if we'll just be a little more patient, God, you'll bring it in your time. Father, we love you. We praise you for all that you're going to do this morning in our hearts and in our lives. It's in your name that we pray.